I'm Denise Crosby, and you're listening to the Mean Joe Grizzly Podcast. Hey, it's Tom Matthews from Return of Living Dead, and Friday the 13th, Part 6, to name a few, and you're listening to the Mean Joe Grizzly Podcast. Enjoy. Hey guys, Tyler Main here, and you're listening to the Mean Joe Grizzly Podcast. Hi, I'm John Russo, screenwriter of Night of the Living Dead. Welcome to the Mean Joe Grizzly Podcast. Enjoy. Let me introduce myself. I'm Joe Grizzly, bitch. What up, Mean Militia? I'm Mean Joe Grizzly, and when I'm not painstakingly putting together a list of the best and worst films of 2023, I'm at the Grizzly Cave. Watching movies, reading comics, listening to metal, and of course, crushing beers. And it is finally here, the end of the year 2023, and we've had a lot of ups, and we've had a lot of downs, and we've had a lot of in-betweens. We have witnessed the straight collapse of the superhero genre and we have seen new life breathed into the kaiju genre we have seen masterpieces and we have seen glorified pieces of shit we have seen it all this year guys and i'm here to talk to you about the best and the worst of that but before we get started, I want y'all to take a second and follow the show on all social media platforms as well as joining my Mean Militia on the show's official Facebook group by clicking the links down in the episode description. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the show on whatever platform y'all listen on. By doing this, y'all support the show and help me continue to talk to y'all about all forms of badassery. So without further ado, let's get to the list. This is Grizzly Grade Reviews. to kick off this list we are going to start with the worst of 2023 and these are both top 10 lists um i'm not gonna lie i haven't seen a lot of the movies that are on other people's lists like i haven't seen the marvels i just didn't get around to it and i even said in the episode before it even premiered in theaters that i don't know if i'm gonna get around to watching it there was just a lot going on and I don't have a lot of time and I kind of already seen the writing on the wall with that movie. So didn't get to see it. So can't judge it if I didn't see it. Um, have not seen Aquaman and the lost kingdom yet. Uh, for those of you that follow me on social media pages know that I was kind of battling an illness there and I couldn't even get out my Christmas special this year, which that would have been kind of hilarious because it would have been a lot of bah humbug because <laughs> I've I watched a lot of shitty Christmas movies this year and it would have just been a very, a very negative Christmas special. And I didn't really want to do that. And plus I didn't, I honestly couldn't do it because I was a little bit under the weather. But with that being said, 
of those three movies that I did watch over, over the time from Godzilla Minus One premiering to when the Christmas special was supposed to premiere, I watched three Christmas movies and two of them made my list. Uh, I did not. I also want to mention that I have not seen Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. That's another one that got lost in the shuffle. Can't speak on that movie. Heard it was god awful. Um, kind of glad I didn't get to see it if it was that bad. I didn't want to shit on one of my favorite heroes from pretty much my entire childhood in my life. So can't speak on that. So that's where a lot of those films that you, that you you're seeing on a lot of people's lists they're not on mine because I just didn't get around to seeing them, guys. But back to what I was saying, I watched three Christmas themed movies one being an action movie and two being horror films and uh the two horror films that i watched were it's a wonderful knife and the sacrifice game now i'm going to say that i could easily interchange this movie with the other but I liked the other one a little bit more because I felt like it had some decent kills, a pretty cool killer, but it was just an incoherent mess that didn't know what the hell it wanted to be. So I will not be putting It's a Wonderful Knife in my top 10 worst of this year, but I will be putting in The Sacrifice Game. Now, I've heard some people on Horror Talk and a couple other social media platforms saying this movie was pretty good. I have to disagree. Now, is it offensively bad? No, it is not. It is. I just wanted more. It has such a cool premise, this this Manson family style group of killers that go around killing in satanic fashion in order to appease this demon that they think is going to give them ultimate power in the new world that it rules over. And eventually they get to the the point where they're going to be summoning this demon and it all goes bad for them i just found the acting to be kind of shitty and all over the place and quite frankly none of the characters were likable and it was just i was just sitting there the whole time like i can't wait for this fucking movie to end so it wasn't bad enough for me to turn it off so i kept on watching and it just i just felt that it was a good idea that was lazily written and that's why it ended up on my top 10 instead of it's a wonderful knife it's a wonderful knife i will talk briefly about that it has it has the makings of of being included in this new genre that i call retro movie slashers and that's kind of a that's a very misleading title to give them but it literally takes these older movie concepts and turns them into slashers. And so far, I feel like that it's been a pretty successful genre. I mean, Happy Death Day, spoof on Groundhog Day. Uh, earlier this year, we got Totally Killer. That was a spoof on Back to the Future. You had Freaky, which was a spoof on Freaky Friday. I feel like those movies were very well done until this one. And, but it wasn't bad enough for me to skip it or just, yeah, to skip it ahead 
uh, to uh, over the sacrifice the sacrifice game sacrifice game was just it was just it commits the ultimate sin for me it was just boring as fuck and that's the problem with a lot of these movies on this list so moving on to number nine i had such high hopes for this movie i knew it was going to be cheesy as fuck i knew that it was going to be this out of this world just dumb ass sci-fi movie but i did not know what i was getting is a boring ass movie that didn't promise me hardly anything that it was saying it was going to give me in the trailer which was 65 now i love this concept uh, it reminds me a lot of this old b movie i watched back in the day called planet of the dinosaurs only more up to date I felt like that it had a lot of potential. It's probably the most, on this list, it's probably the most wasted potential of all. It had some pretty cool dinosaurs, but ultimately the movie was just fucking boring and nothing happened. And I wanted, I wanted more out of this movie and it ultimately just let me down. Adam Driver does a great job considering he is like really the only person that can speak in the movie there's hardly any dialogue in the movie so you don't really get invested in his character or the the supporting character it it could have been so much better now moving on to number eight and that would be silent night the other christmas themed movie that i watched between now and godzilla minus one Wow, this movie was such a huge letdown. This might be might be the most disappointed I was all year long with a film. You get you get word that John Woo's coming back to the directing and he's gonna be directing this Christmas themed action movie. And I can't remember the actor's name, uh Joel Kinnelman, I think's his name. Uh like that guy. Thought he does great as as Rick Rick Flag in the Suicide Squad movies, you know, I was like, yeah, this is gonna be all right. I'm I'm cool with this, and the trailer looks amazing, and everything seems like it's gonna be good, and it has this really cool opening scene and opening part of the movie, and then after that, it is straight up an hour of fucking wallowing misery, and when I say misery. This movie makes you want to go into a broom closet and fucking hang yourself because it shows the grief of a father losing his child and watching his whole life essentially fall apart. And I'm not against showing the impact of losing a child because I have no idea what that feels like and I'm imagining it is crushing. But John Woo spends most of the movie on this and it is so hard to watch after 20 minutes and he makes you sit there and watch this guy just piss his life away in grief and then ultimately at the end the ending has the most lackluster cookie cutter action scenes ever just just kind of mind-blowing that John Woo did this movie and it, then I heart back to his movies later early like later in his career before he retired and then he came back to do this movie John Woo 
was losing it then, and him coming back just proved that he just needs to quit forever. And I hate that because if it wasn't for John Woo, we wouldn't have John Wick. He revolutionized action movies with his style of filming with the Hong Kong action style, like hard-boiled. Like to, to watch hard-boiled and then to watch this piece of shit, it's just very, it's very depressing <laughs> and I couldn't I can't think of a, a I can't think of anything else that was more depressing than the, than the middle hour of this movie this movie is only like an hour and I think 30 or 45 minutes long and an hour of it is spent on misery and the last 20 minutes of the movie is lackluster action that has zero payoff I didn't get to review this movie but if I did it would probably get like a two and a half out of five. It wouldn't, it would not, it would not be middle of the road. I've pondered on it for a while and the more I thought about it, the more pissed off I got at how disappointed I was. So moving on to number seven, The Exorcist Believer. When Blumhouse announced that they had bought the rights to The Exorcist for three films, I was very hesitant and it wasn't because Blumhouse bought it. And it wasn't because they gave it to David Gordon Green. I'm a David Gordon Green defender. And I will be until he just continues to keep fucking up. Because he delivered two of the best Halloween sequels. Y'all can fight me. I don't give a shit. Halloween 2018 and Halloween Kills are two of the best sequels in the Halloween franchise. And they're definitely in the top half. If you don't like it, that's fine. You're entitled to your own opinion. I feel like they were both phenomenal. Halloween Ends sucked. And Exorcist Believer continues that trend. It fucking sucked. Now, at the beginning of this movie, I was like, "Ooh, they're doing something different," and it was. It gave me this 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 prisoners vibe. Anybody's ever seen the 2010, 2010s movie, The Prisoners, with Hugh Jackman and Terrence Howard and Jake Gyllenhaal? It was giving me those vibes. I was like, "Oh, this is this is fucking cool. I like this." And then, upon the introduction of the legacy character being Reagan's mother. I felt like she phoned it in and I don't blame her because she didn't even want to fucking come back. Uh, I felt like that the way that they put her in, shoehorned her in and they gave her a bunch of lines that just made me fucking roll my eyes, especially the one about they didn't let me in on my daughter's exorcism because of they didn't want me to be a part of their patriarchy. They saved your son, bitch. Be a little more grateful. So yeah, the fact that she went along with that line pissed me off too because it was just a ridiculous line. Uh, nothing really comes out of this movie. Uh, it, it, it it turns in, it devolves into just about every exorcism movie that's came after The Exorcist. They, they're never going to catch lightning in the bottle again. The only reason why The Exorcist 3 is acceptable to most horror fans is because it did do something different where it combined this the the concept of Pazuzu with a serial killer and and it it was very unique this is just cookie cutter bullshit like it always is I kind of hope the Exorcist franchise dies with this I know it's not because this one made money uh, I, I wish it would die and I wish they would just leave that exorcism genre on the back burner for a while and just let it stew and until they find a unique idea 
I don't want to really see any more exorcism movies. And I know that that's that's not going to happen. We're going to get 20 exorcism exorcism movies a year, and I'm just going to have to pick and choose which ones I think aren't going to be piles of shit, which is like playing Russian roulette with a howitzer cannon. So, yeah, Exorcist Believer is my number seven. Coming up at number six, we have Insidious the Red Door. Uh, I was very optimistic about this one. Uh, this was going to be Patrick Wilson's uh, directorial debut, and I like Patrick Wilson a lot, and I feel like that if given the right tools, he could do a phenomenal job, and pretty much all it delivered was a pretty lackluster sequel that, to me, destroyed a lot of things that made the Insidious franchise good. For instance, completely alienating and destroying the, the family made no fucking sense to me. That The family bond is what made Insidious so damn good. And I felt like that by doing that, it it just it made it gave the movie no stakes and it gave the movie no emotion whatsoever. There's some decent scares in here, but that combined with let's bring back the red faced demon instead of giving us a new entity, uh, a a big bad or a Thanos of the of the Insidious franchise. We just got the red faced demon again and he didn't really do anything. So I I was just bored, which is what's wrong with a lot of these movies. I was. I was just bored. Now, coming in at number five, breaking into the top five, it's probably the most offensive entry in the worst of 2023 list. Pet Cemetery Bloodlines. Uh, Pet Cemetery Bloodlines completely and utterly pissed me off because it took the concept of Pet Cemetery and was promising us this origin story of Judd Crandall and instead of giving us that they gave us nobody guy with no acting skills that you cannot tell that he's Judd or if he's just some regular guy it gave us all these characters that we quite frankly don't give a shit about Uh, it took a, a concept from the book and from the earlier movies and was supposed to expand on it and instead gave us this ridiculous romp through this town that was honestly it was larger than than the story itself but not only that not as nitpicky as it sounds not one person this fucking movie had a main accent so that took away some uniqueness to it and the director just decided we're going to go our own direction with the lore and made up this bullshit re- way that the only way you can kill people that's brought back from the knickknack burial grounds by shooting them in their eyes made no fucking sense whatsoever i've asked other fellow stephen king fans do you remember anything from the book about having to destroy the eyes of the people brought back in the burial ground and not one of them has ever acknowledged that and i don't acknowledge it either because i don't think it ever fucking happened in the books and even if it did it's fucking stupid so this one was just downright disrespectful. I actually like the Edward Furlong Pet Cemetery 2 a lot more than this. And I like the remake a lot more than this. I probably will never watch this movie again. And if I ever own it, it will only be because I'm trying to be a completionist for the Pet Cemetery collection. Now, moving on to number four. And I can hear all the cinephiles lighting torches now. 
they're probably going to be coming at me because I've seen a lot of people praise this movie and say it's really good. I haven't necessarily seen any of this in anybody's top 10 list, but it's got decent reviews and I've seen a lot of people say that this is just pure art. And this is that part where I'm going to be talking about glorified pieces of shit. And the movie I'm talking about is Saltburn. Yes, this movie was fucking awful. I watched this movie a few days ago. And like I said, I've seen some bad movies this year. But this movie isn't... It's not necessary that this movie is bad. This movie is a simple story about deception that is rolled up in a blanket of art house bullshit to try to make it overcomplicated just so it can be artsy and I fucking hated it and I still there's still parts of it that quite frankly I didn't understand the reason why the events transpired there this this movie is also more gut-wrenching and disgusting and uncomfortable than most of extreme horror films I've seen there is a lot of body bodily fluid consumption in this movie and it doesn't make any sense as to why and I don't think anybody's performance was particularly good. I just, and also too, and I, I'm going to go on a little side rant here. Uh, Rosamund Pike. If you don't know who Rosamund Pike is, she is this, this, I'm going to say talented, even though I cannot fucking stand her. And it has nothing to do with her skill as an actress. In fact, it has everything to do with how good of an actress she is. Every time I see Rosamund Pike in a movie, I automatically know that I'm going to want her to die and I hate her. <laughs> because every role I see her in, she plays this completely reprehensible piece of shit human being. And at least in the movies I have seen her in. And she's not that way in this movie. But she is very gross. And I say gross in the way that she doesn't particularly do anything gross. But the stuff she allows and she knows is going on is fucking gross. Uh, this movie's got incestual stuff in it. It's got... It's, it's just it's the director just decided he was going to throw in a bunch of shit to try to shock people into provocation and it, it didn't work for me it just left me sitting there like why the fuck am I watching this movie It did I did get engaged in it I'm not going to lie but I just couldn't believe I was sitting back watching this movie because it, it when the end comes you're like that was a simple ass story that was just made so fucking convoluted and complicated for no reason other than to, for this director to stick his pinky up in the air and act like he made a masterpiece. So yeah, fuck this movie. It's at number four. Saltburn sucks. Moving on to number three, probably the most talked about movie on Netflix right now. Uh, this movie is, this movie is, is, really bad um it, it it jumped right into my top five when i watched it um essentially the movie is leave the world behind and essentially this movie is a post-apocalyptic the country is 
being overthrown and toppled. And this movie essentially gives us this blockbuster cast of Marshall Ali, you know, uh, Kevin Bacon. It's got Ethan Hawke and it's got Julia Roberts. And they're, they're these A-list actors and actresses. And they could not save this piece of shit. <laughs> this movie, this movie has all of this political jargon in it, and not any side in particular. It's got from both sides. The most belligerent parts of both sides are in this movie. Uh, there are people that are straight up cartoon characters in this movie of stereotypes that will just it, it will leave you so fucking annoyed. At least it did me. And the more that the the more that the movie goes on, they're building this this tension of the unknown, of what is really going on, what who is actually attacking the country, and their their motive and everything. And guess what? You never fucking find out who did anything. <laughs> and it's so damn stupid. They don't even give you they don't even give you a, a, a hint of a clear answer as to what. It's going on, who's doing it, and really how they're doing it. And on top of all that, again, they have this tension where imagine someone's got a shotgun to your head. And they're telling you, if you move an inch, I'm going to blow your fucking head off. And they're sitting there, and they're, and they're threatening you, they're screaming in your ear, and you move a little bit. And they're like, don't move! Don't move, I'll shoot. And then you move a little more and they scream at you again. And then eventually you're dancing in front of them, moving the barrel in and out of your face and your mouth and everything saying, shoot me, shoot me, shoot me. And they don't have the balls to shoot you because it's a shitty bluff and nothing ever happens. There is no conclusion to this movie. There's no resolution. There's no context. There's no explanation. And then this movie ends, and quite possibly the worst fucking ending I have ever seen in a movie. It almost jumped up to number one for me because it was that shitty of a movie. I'll never watch this movie again, and I do not recommend this movie. <laughs> I can literally talk for a whole episode about why this movie is just fucking stupid. But moving on to number two, a number, another movie that's quite similar to Leave the World Behind with it being a political propaganda movie, and this time a more right-leaning propaganda film, and I might get shit from some of the people that listen to me on this. I don't care, because I'm not going to lie to you when I tell you, and you can go back and listen to my review for, for this movie if you would like to see my full thoughts on it, but I generally was enjoying nefarious when i first went and seen it i went in blind i knew nothing about it i didn't know who directed it all i seen was sean patrick flannery playing a supposed possessed man on death row and i was like i'm gonna go see this movie the trailer got me the trailer got me and hooked me right in and it's essentially one of those movies where it's two men in a room being philosophical and sometimes i like those movies and sometimes i don't and i was enjoying this movie and up until the very last 10 minutes, when the climax happens, and then fucking Glenn Beck shows up. <laughs> and I'm like, what is going on? And it is Glenn Beck as himself. Now, I don't care who you're affiliated with, 
that doesn't mean anything to me. You can believe what you want to believe and, you know, vote for whoever you want to vote for. I don't give a shit. But when Glenn Beck showed up as himself in his, in the probably the biggest ego boosting push thing I've ever fucking seen in my life and completely derails this movie for me to the point where it sends it in a slow hole down to China, no pun intended, because I did not, I did not understand what was going on. I felt like I had been duped. I felt like I had been, I felt like I had been tricked into watching like a propaganda film and that's exactly what happened. I felt dirty afterwards. It just felt real grimy and dirty. And I got to give it to them. Their advertisement got me in the seat. And their advertisement was good enough that I had no idea that this was... I would have to have Google searched everything to figure out what was behind this movie. And who was doing it and all that. Because I had no fucking idea. Until Glenn Beck showed up. So, for that reason, Nefarious is the second worst film that I've seen this year. Now, my number one should not be a surprise to anybody that listens to this show. Probably the lowest rated movie I've ever, the lowest rating I've ever given a movie. And that is The Meg to the Trench. This movie pissed me off. This movie bored me. I'm still disappointed in this movie and I can hear a lot of people right now and I've had conversations with people like, what did you expect? It was the Meg too. I enjoyed the Meg. The first Meg movie I thought was a solid monster flick. I, I liked it. I thought it had potential to have a great franchise. Yeah, it was going to be cheesy and yeah, it was going to be Jason Statham versus the giant shark. Who didn't see that coming? But this movie didn't even give me Jason Statham versus a giant shark. It gave me, it gave me a bunch of really dark shots that I couldn't even fucking, I couldn't even fucking see what was going on half the time. Uh, it gave me more, the most ridiculous shit that I'd ever seen in my life. Even more, even more than, than the the wildest, most whimsical science fiction movie or even monster movie. Or, or superhero film, it had, it literally had Jason Statham at below the bottom of the ocean, I might add, the lowest point in the ocean that no one has ever been down because they don't have the tech to go down that far, blowing all the air out of his lungs and sinuses and swimming on the bottom of the ocean for 10 minutes without being crushed by the pressure of the ocean, all while dodging Megalodons trying to kill him. Uh, that shit was ridiculous. Uh, Jason Statham does a lot of crazy shit on this on this movie that put him on par with Dominic Toretto from the Fast and Furious movies, which I gave up on a long time ago. Uh, yeah, this movie sucks. Uh, from the stupid shit for him walking on the bottom of the ocean to him pushing someone in the mouth of a megalodon and saying that a boy chum or whatever the hell he says, it, it, it was it was really bad. So for all those reasons, The Meg 2, The Trench, is the worst movie I have seen this year. Now, let's get to the best movies of 2023. 
So before we get started with the best movies of 2023 list, I want to throw in some honorable mentions because there was there was some movies I really enjoyed this year, but I, they didn't quite make my top 10. Uh, one being Blue Beetle. I really enjoyed Blue Beetle. I think it was easily top three best superhero movies of 2023. I, I feel like that. I feel like it, it was a, it was solid in that number three spot. Maybe at times it was better than my second favorite superhero movie of this year, which was Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Uh, really hope that character comes back, and from what I'm understanding, he is going to be coming back, and that's really good news to hear. I really enjoyed the Super Mario Brothers movie. I thought it was solid. Uh, I felt like it was a really good, I felt like it was a really good intro into the Nintendo world that we will hopefully keep getting movies for because Illumination actually did a pretty good job. I was very shocked, actually. Uh, I really enjoyed The Pope's Exorcist. As much as I'm absolutely sick of exorcism movies i enjoyed the pope's exorcism it surprised the hell out of me because i was expecting it to be just more bullshit from the world of exorcism that we get every single year but russell crowe really brought uh brought a new dynamic to that movie and a larger than life character and i really enjoyed it uh, Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, surprised the shit out of me. That might be my biggest surprise year because I, I completely wrote that movie off and I went and seen that movie when I was fucking bored, and it shocked me how much I enjoyed it. Uh, I, I really hope that they, I don't want them to bring that that group of characters back. I want them to kind of do a rotating cast every year and do a different story with a different theme and a different, a different style. Like, this was like the comedic, like, Suicide Squad slash Guardians of the Galaxy type story. Now I want them to do like a Doctor Strange style story that gets into mysticism and stuff and dark dark forces and stuff. I want them to give us a Lord of the Rings type epic. I would love to see them do that with the Dungeons and Dragons franchise. That would be great if they did that. Only time will tell, though. Uh, a slasher that I've seen at the beginning of this year that shocked me how much i liked it which was sick uh kevin williamson wrote it and you can definitely see the callbacks and the influences from the screen films uh really enjoyed that one that as ridiculous as that movie should have been being a quote covid slasher i really enjoyed it i thought it was i thought it had great chase scenes good kills i, I thought it was pretty damn cool uh i I really enjoyed Cobweb. I'm calling Cobweb the Barbarian of 2023 because I went into that movie thinking I was going to see one thing and did not expect what I got. And I enjoyed it. I thought Anthony Starr was phenomenal in his role. He was extra creepy. Loved that movie. Thought it was so damn good. And probably my second biggest surprise of the year was Saw X. I was done with Saw. I said, like, that franchise is dead as shit. Now they're just going to keep putting out shitty sequels like they have for the last four to five versions, even though I kind of like Spiral. To me, there hadn't been a good Saw movie since the third one. And boy, did they prove me wrong because 
they finally did with the character of Jigsaw that they should have done from the very damn beginning. And Tobin Bell did a wonderful job of humanizing that character and making you root for the villain. I, I really enjoyed I really enjoyed Saw X and it almost made my top 10. But coming in at number 10 is Eli Ross Thanksgiving. I absolutely loved this movie. This movie was it, it, it wasn't everything that I necessarily wanted it to be but what I got was damn good and I had a fun time with this movie and the crowd had a fun time with this movie. If if you went to theaters and seen this movie, you had a good time. Uh, the kills were great. The killer in John Carver was great. It did have some CGI blood hidden here and there, but what I really liked about this movie is it was a love letter to B and C list slashers like The Prowler and My Bloody Valentine, particularly My Bloody Valentine. And Eli Roth had to have given his cast a stack of VHS tapes and said, go home and watch these because this is what I'm looking for because all of them executed that formula to perfection. Really enjoyed it. Uh, they went as far as I thought they were going to on some things and some things they held back on that I didn't really see why they did. But nevertheless, I really, really enjoyed it. And it is my number 10 pick of 2023. Coming in at number nine is a Hulu original that really caught me off guard and it caught everybody off guard. Uh, an alien invasion flick known as No One Will Save You. Uh, really enjoyed this movie too. There's hardly any dialogue in it. And normally movies like that either sink or they surf. And this movie completely took the wave and surfed it right on home. A phenomenal performance by the lead girl. I cannot think of her name right now. Uh, the aliens, which are essentially the, quote, peaceful ones, the greys, the ones that are always like, you know, every time you hear a story about being abducted by aliens and them running experiments on you, like doing the probing and all that, those are greys. And they're not particularly threatening. They just scoop you up, drug you, mess with you, and let you go. Uh, not these. These greys are coming all shapes and sizes, and they are terrifying at times. And I felt like this movie was done so well. Its message of forgiveness and redemption and acceptance was done very tastefully and not heavy-handed. Really good, really good film. Hopefully we'll see more like that. Hulu, Hulu put out a banger this year. That movie was really good. Coming in at number eight, and that is quite possibly the one of the best action films of all time, and definitely the best action film of this year, and that was John Wick Chapter 4. What a phenomenal way to send that character out and write a final chapter in the book of John Wick. Uh, phenomenal fights, phenomenal gunplay, great stunts good cool antagonist to go along with a phenomenal protagonist uh donnie yen's character in this movie uh phenomenal 
makes you really root at, at one point i was actually rooting on him to win over john wick because he they made him such a relatable and lovable character uh just just fun just everything the chore, choreography i can go on, on and on and on about how great the choreography and the stunt work is in this movie and the camera shots from the overheads to the low the low down look ups to the staircases while John Wick's blowing criminals away with these dragon fire shotgun shells. This movie was so badass and I don't really know how they're going to top it if they ever do a John Wick chapter 5. This one was so damn good. Moving on to number 7 and that is Evil Dead Rise. Now Evil Dead Rise is to me not as good as the 2013 remake i feel like that 2013 remake pushed a boundary that evil dead's gonna have a hard time gonna have a hard time crossing again or matching but evil dead rise comes very close a uh, great camera work in this movie the family dynamic bringing in the you know the estranged sister and her kids and having them thrown in the mix this concept of bringing the deadites invading this high-rise apartment in downtown Los Angeles, I believe it was, is such a unique concept since we've always seen the Deadites in a more remote location, like in the middle of the woods in Tennessee somewhere. But bringing them into the city, and especially a high-rise apartment, which is just essentially a big, giant death trap coffin for our victims, was great. Love how they continue the trend of bringing monsters from the Necronomicon to life and having them be like quote the final bosses of everything love that the main deadite played by the deceased sister she was phenomenal she just chewing the scenery and chewing people as well uh movie goes pretty far doesn't hit that that extreme factor of the 2013 remake but still does a very damn good job and was definitely one of my favorite theater experiences this year Coming in at number six, just outside of the top five, is Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer was, it was, it's probably my favorite Christopher Nolan film since The Dark Knight. Since The Dark Knight trilogy, I should say, because I love all three Dark Knight movies. It's really good to see Celia Murphy getting his just dues after putting in so much work in the industry for so many years, you know, from Peaky Blinders is his, is like his, his Peaky Blinders is like a culmination of his life's work. But Oppenheimer is, is his ultimate masterpiece performance. And I feel like I, the, before I even watched this movie, I was, I kind of just went down a rabbit hole, just exper like just researching the Manhattan Project, and I watched, I listened to a bunch of podcasts and watched a bunch of documentaries on it, and they, Cillian Murphy does a great job of portraying Oppenheimer. They did take a few liberties and kind of made him more of a more human slash heroic character, when in all reality, Oppenheimer was like he was kind of an asshole and he had that scientific ego that just could not be matched by anyone. Uh, but 
nevertheless, his performance was great. Really, everyone's performance in this movie was phenomenal. The one breakout performance, not really breakout performance, but the surprising performance was Robert Downey Jr. as Pierce Strzok. He, he, was, he was a phenomenal antagonist in this movie and made you like just hate his guts but he did such a good fucking job i was it, it was worth it was worth watching the three-hour epic to get this full picture of everything and see how men of men of different backgrounds came together and and created something so magnificent and yet so terrifying at the same time that literally went from being a theory that no one thought was possible to minutes later, legit minutes later, in another room being started and created. It was it was pretty phenomenal to see. And definitely one of the best movies of 2023. Now coming in at my top five, at number five for me, is Talk To Me. Now... I know this is going to be on a lot of people's list. It's going to be, it might not be in their top five. It might be in their top three. Uh, but talk to me, for me, again, I'm so burnt out on possession films and really just supernatural horror films, period. I'm more of a slasher, monster, you know, beast type movie guy, even... I'm even more on the lines of, of of aliens and stuff like that than I am for possession and supernatural horror films. And Talk To Me was so fucking unique and it was so well done and the concept was so unique that I, I was blown away by this movie. Now, the other thing that makes me proud to, to talk about this and to put and to place it in my top 10 is that this was made by two youtubers from australia it was it's either australia or new zealand i think it's australia uh those two guys showed me that you do not have to be a big time hollywood director or producer or writer for that matter to write direct and shoot a good movie and these guys did it and quite frankly this movie to me is a big middle finger to hollywood because again i know people have varying opinions on the writer's strike that took place this year and the actor strike that also took place this year i understand that people have that they're on the side of the writers and they're on the side of actors and to an extent i am too and i'm all i'm all for i'm all for not having any ai and all that good stuff but I, on the other hand, am also part of that group that's like, Hollywood can't fucking write anymore. And they get lazy with their writing. And I don't think that they need to be paid if they keep putting out shit. And these guys pretty much made a lot of, but I'd say the vast majority of Hollywood writers look like shit because this movie was so well written and the concept was so damn good. So for those reasons, Talk To Me is my number five best film of 2023. It's just great. It's so unsettling, so creepy. So it's, it's, I wouldn't call it scary, but I would definitely, this movie takes a piece of you and it, and it keeps it forever. And you feel that walking out of that movie. 
and the hype was real. Now, coming in at number four is the only superhero movie that is on my top ten list. And it is absolutely phenomenal. And I cannot wait for the third installment. And that is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. That movie was so damn good. I, that was another one of my favorite theater experiences of this year. It, I was in a packed theater on a Thursday night when I went and seen it. The visuals of the movie, the, the voice acting, the storyline, all the different Spider-Mans from across the multiverse coming in to play, uh, them doing them doing the, the whole Spider-Man meme and stuff, like where all of them's pointing at each other, the different versions, the fact that they pulled off a complete convert conversion of all of this, 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 this whole convergence of all these different iterations of Spider-Man over the years was just amazing. And I can't wait to see what they do next. Uh, I, I love this storyline. I love the, I love where it's going. I love everything about this movie. This was the best, hands down the best superhero movie that came out this year. It's not even debatable. Anybody that tries to debate it, you're just salty. This movie is, this movie is great. And my number four of 2023. Now, we get into the top three. And I switched these around a good bit for a little while. I actually had some other some other movies on this list until the I seen the one that got my number one pick of this year this week actually. And yeah, you can call it recent biased all you want. When I get to that movie I will talk about it. But these top three are the ones that affected me the most this year. These movies will stay with me probably from years to come. These are, without a doubt, in my opinion, the three best films of this year. And coming in at number three is the best horror film that came out this year, and that is When Evil Lurks. Uh, this movie is so damn unsettling and so shocking and it is done in such a tasteful manner that it's not shock for shock's sake. It, it is just good storytelling, good tension building, good. It's just good all around. Uh, the whole concept of a, of a, again, demonic possession. Demonic possession is, is, is again, I, I feel like I'm a broken record. I'm sick of demonic possession films. But the way that this movie was done was just like what taught to me one of the most unique things I've ever seen. Treating demonic possession almost like it's, it's a plague or some kind of ailment was such a great concept. And how you can't just you can't just quarantine somebody and get rid of the evil. The evil is there and it's lurking around. No pun intended. And it's seeping into everything. This world that we, the world that we are introduced to, although a lot is left ambiguous and unsaid, you still feel like this world is a realistic depiction of if something like this ever would happen uh, and has a flat out jaw dropping ending. I really love this movie. 
And I think most of the horror horror community this year praise this movie. Don't know if I've seen it on many people's top five, but it's definitely firmly at number three for me. Now, coming in at my number two, which was my number one up until Wednesday. And that is Godzilla Minus One. And I will catch a lot of shit for this because I am a diehard Godzilla fan. But genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, this movie exceeded my expectations and more. I knew it was going to be something that I was going to enjoy, but I had no idea the impact this movie would leave on me and the world. This movie was made for $15 million and it's grossed 10 times that much now, it seems like. <laughs> at least, at, it's at least made its budget over five or six times. Uh, that is phenomenal. That is a huge win for us Godzilla fans. And we are truly living in the golden age of Godzilla fandom. I'm so happy to be a Godzilla fan right now. We have so much to dine on. But this, this is the first time that I would say that other than the original 1954 classic that we have a Godzilla movie that is Oscar worthy. This movie is that good. If I was not a Godzilla fan, I would still be putting this movie on a pedestal. It, it is a well-acted, well-written portrayal of Godzilla. It has great visual effects. The visual effects for this movie are so good and I could be wrong, but it could be because CGI and visual effects in America now are so fucking awful. And that's a whole other rant I can get on because these these Marvel movies and DC movies have these humongous budgets and their visual effects are so fucking terrible. Especially you, Flash. I'm looking at you. <laughs> those... those those movies have these humongous budgets and they are delivering this inferior product. And here we are in, in little old Japan with this $15 million budget and they're making this menacing giant monster unleashing all of this devastation and it looks fucking phenomenal. Godzilla Minus One. Definitely, definitely, definitely worth the watch. It is going to be in theaters, I believe, until February. You need to go see it. I will not stop talking about this movie because I feel like everyone, even non-Godzilla fans, need to give this movie a shot and go see it. It is that good. Good human characters, again, good story, good drama, good writing, good messaging. Just, just a good fucking movie. And I am so happy to be a Godzilla fan. So sitting firmly at number two is Godzilla Minus One. Now, my number one film of 2023. I went and seen this movie on Wednesday night. And again, you can call it recent bias, whatever you want to do. I can't help it this movie came out a week ago. But I can tell you this. It didn't matter if it came out at the beginning of, of 2023. My number one movie is the Iron Claw. Now, this movie stars Zac Efron. It is about the Von Erich brothers, a wrestling family from Texas that are li 
le legitimately legends in the wrestling industry and the rise and fall of literally this entire family this tragic end to this entire family almost i felt some type of way when i left the theater after seeing this uh it it, it is emotional it is tragic it is so damn good if you i'm not currently a wrestling fan i haven't watched wrestling in 20 years but I grew up watching it and I know a lot of these wrestlers that are portrayed in this film. I had no idea who the Von Ericks were and I did a little research before I went and seen the film and watched the episode of Dark Side of the Ring on them and I can tell you this, this movie is pretty damn accurate to the events that happen in these guys' lives. Now they, they do leave out some, some things, one being a whole brother entirely, but they nail these brothers' personalities and how they lived and their their relationship with their father, this this overbearing wanna live vicariously through you, larger than life personality. And they they just nailed this all around. Uh Zach Efron, phenomenal job. Zach Efron deserves a nod for for best performance no doubt especially his transformation the, the workout and stuff and the, the body body transformation he had for this movie because he is ripped in this movie he literally looks like like a greek god it's 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 insane how how big he got for this movie they just do they, they just do this phenomenal job of portraying the, the love this family had for each other especially these brothers and the only downfall to the movie that I had, and it wasn't enough to even affect the score, but some of the wrestlers that were portrayed in the movie were portrayed very piss poorly, in my opinion. One being Ric Flair. There's a scene where he's doing a promo, and everybody knows Ric Flair. You know, the Rolex wearing, you know, limousine driving, girl kissing, woo, you know. All that, the guy couldn't. The guy was doing this impersonation of Ric Flair at the at these at these promos, and he couldn't even get even close to how larger than life Ric Flair was. But when everything went backstage after the match, he acted just like Flair, and that was like really my only gripes was. How do you drop the ball on portraying Ric Flair? Everybody everybody impersonates Ric Flair. Ric Flair's the fucking man. How did this guy shit the bed on that? He did, though. But it didn't affect this movie or how good this movie was. Whole cast does great. Um, I can't remember the actor's name. I really have dropped the ball on that in this episode. Uh, the actor that plays the father, he was... One of the detectives on Mindhunter, he also played uh, the late, the main character on Lights Out, the boxing show on FX. And what I know him from is playing the American Indian actor in Creepshow 2 where he has the long hair and he says, my hair is going to get me paid and get me laid. And I cannot remember that guy's name, but man, he delivered a phenomenal performance as well as the senior, the, the senior member and father of the Von Erich brothers. This movie is phenomenal, and I hope everybody goes and sees it. 
and it is my number one movie of 2023. Watch all of these movies, guys. They're all great. And with that, we bring another episode to an end. Thank you all so much for your continued support. Without y'all, the show isn't possible. If you like this episode, please consider subscribing to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to click the links in the description below to follow me on all social media platforms. Make sure you go over to Spotify, Apple Music, and YouTube and check out Carl Casey at White Bat Audio. He's a guy that does all the musics for the intros and outros and throughout the show for me. Guy's phenomenal. He's a synth wave master. Go check his stuff out. And that's a wrap for 2023. Thank you all so much for your continued support. Uh, I hope you enjoyed my top 10 worst and my top 10 best list. Uh, let me know on the social media pages what you think and what are your top 10 best and worst of 2023 i'd love to hear it uh coming up in 2024 uh we got some movies coming out in the early part of the year um we gotta wait on those to come out though uh eventually there's some shows that are going to be finishing up with like monarch legacy of monsters invincible the second half of the second season's coming out so we got a couple things to talk about uh really excited going to be launching something new a new uh a new a new segment that's going to be great that's hopefully hopefully if all works out <laughs> is going to be premiering in february and hopefully if everything works out is going to be going on youtube and tiktok respectively uh that's if youtube wants to not be militant and ban me for copyright infringement which is what they do now when you even though you follow all the rules they somehow strike your page so stay tuned for that i'm really excited for that i'll, I'll be putting out promos for that pretty soon uh i hope all of y'all had a wonderful christmas holiday and i hope that this year has been everything that it could absolutely be for you and i'm so thankful for all of y'all's support and understanding and, and just sticking with me this whole time. I, I truly love doing this, guys. Thank y'all all so much for for allowing me the pleasure of, of doing this show. Might not be many of you, <laughs> but I appreciate every damn one of you. But until next time, remember... I'm Joe Grizzly, bitch. <laughs>